Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Bubble Hour, where real people tell real stories of addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Jean McCarthy. I write the blog Unpickled. I tell my story there, and I invite you to share your stories here. And today, in honor of New Year's, let's do something a little different. I'm at the ski hill, about to put my gear on and go out and ski, but I wanted to take a few minutes and make an episode to help encourage you through what can be a difficult time of year for a lot of people, New Year's. And whether you're listening to this right on New Year's Eve, in the days following, or even in the months to come, this episode is really meant to be an encouraging uh, time for anyone who's either in early recovery or who's feeling wobbly and needs to remember what it's like to go through those early days. So uh, here's what I did. At a, a recent retreat, I recorded conversations with women at various stages of their sobriety. The audio quality is a little varied. Um, I was just holding my phone up to them in hallways and in dining rooms and just gathering their words and their thoughts as, uh, as we uh, rounded up, wound up a few days at a retreat. And um, even though uh, you may find that there's a lot of background noise, trust me, the content is gold. Today, I want to share those voices with you. Um, I chose the ones that were in their very earliest stages to share with you today. I felt there was no time better to share them than here at uh, New Year's. Usually our guideline on the bubble hour is that we need to have a minimum of 90 days. We take that guideline from actually AA program suggests that because it gives you time to sort of nurture your recovery before speaking out about it. But what I hear from people is that, you know, they really want to know what it's like in those early days of recovery. And so today you're going to hear a little bit uh, of what that's like from five women. Their time in recovery varies from four days to a month. So whether you're sober curious, as we say, or you're into your journey, I have no doubt that you will be touched by their honesty and their vulnerability. So I invite you to meet Bridget, Nancy, Caroline, Dixie, and Leslie. Not necessarily their real names. I'm very grateful to these women for sharing their stories. Let's start with Bridget. I'm talking with Bridget now and fellow Canadian. Um, so first, first question is easy. Just tell me how long you have been free of alcohol. Only, well, two and a half weeks now since I've been here. So um, it, I've tried many times and had a few short successes, but haven't been able to maintain continuous sobriety, which is partly why I came here. And tell me a little bit, first of all, about what, what your drinking pattern looked like towards the end of that. Um, uh, solitary drinking. So I find it very easy not to drink around other people because I'm kind of done with awkward social situations. <laughs> um, but it's mostly when I'm alone, and I do, you know, I'm, I live alone, so that's, that's a big problem. Um, not, not living alone, but not having a sort of accountability. And um, so it was, it was um, constant and um, just how I passed the evenings. Did you um, experience a phase of detox? When you quit drinking, so far it's only been two and a half weeks, but uh, no, no, I've, 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 uh, you know, I've been a steady drinker for a very long time, and had some brutal hangovers, but have never experienced anything negative when I stopped drinking. What were the cravings like the first few days? 
Um, I usually make a point, uh, well, in the first few days, often not bad, because that's when I manage to quit, because I either just am exhausted or hate it. It's actually when I get back to feeling good that I um, have trouble maintaining it, because even happy emotions are triggers to drink. That's a really good point. Um, Max Phillips was at a presentation that she did recently, and she said, uh, it's it's sober me that makes the decision to drink again, so it's sober me that I have to look after. That is so true, because even when it's a beautiful day and sunny, you it, that a drink pops into your head, and it's scary because that's when you think you wouldn't want to. And I can have, I know I can have plenty of fun and enjoy myself not drinking. It's just, um, it sneaks back. So have you changed your routine at home to support, like, to, to make it easier to not fall into those old patterns? Uh, yes, I did. Um, what really helped for me when I did have three and a half months um, last year, I, I did a, a sobriety mantra course through um, Hip Sobriety, uh, Holly Whitaker, and, and that was lovely. It came at the right time for me. Um, I have tried other things that I thought would work that, that didn't. Um, uh, and it, it is baffling why things work sometimes and not others. Um, exercise for me is good, but because I've had a bunch of injuries and, and then got in a rut, I haven't. That's something I'm trying to to fix because that's something that helps me not drink. The more active I am, um, so I I. I, I've I've tried many times to read myself sober, and you can't do it that way. It can help and give you a lot of tools, but eventually you have to actually not drink. So um, I have a lot more to think about. Um, uh, I, I don't have any perfect tools yet to answer that question. The, we did some sharing circles here this weekend. Was that your first experience of sitting in a sharing circle? Uh, no. Before I um, came here, just within the last, uh, four weeks, I had gone to some meetings, both Women for Sobriety and AA, so those were my first experience of sharing circles. Um, but I, the the uh, actually meeting other people who, in recovery was um, fantastic because it takes you out of your head and you can't say, this is so unfair, because it's not just you. So that I knew, again, I think I know things intellectually, but to really accept that that's the truth takes more than just reading it or knowing it, you know. Um, so that um, um, aspect of just even not even the shares, just knowing everyone is here to deal with something that you're dealing with is pretty helpful. Is there anything on your reading list now or on your to-do list or sort of what's the next thing you're going to do to support your own sobriety? Um, I do have this Naked Mind by Annie Grace, but I'm also reading another book that I just happened upon called um, The Willpower Instinct. And they're very compatible, actually, because the will, people don't, it's explaining what we think willpower is but also how addiction of any form can work. And that, that book is, is, is I've, like I said, it was a fluke that I was just sitting on the library shelf, but that has been incredibly helpful um, in understanding what's going on in my brain, which is something I never wanted to know before because I find reading about how the brain works creepy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, in, in, I've now accepted that, um, that that actually could be a really useful tool. 
That's great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Well, that was Bridget, and next you'll meet Nancy and Caroline, who, like Bridget, you will hear them talk about sharing circles, that part at the end of the day uh, on our retreat that allows participants to reflect on their day and share their personal experiences. It gives them a taste of what it might be like to attend a recovery meeting or a group program. So here's Nancy, followed by Caroline. Tell me your name and tell me how long you have, or how long ago you decided to make a change in your relationship with alcohol. Okay, my name is Nancy, and I decided to make a change in my relationship with alcohol at least 15 years ago, I would say, but uh, it has not been a straight path, and this time around, it's only been about a month since I stopped drinking. Tell me about it hasn't been a straight path. Tell me about that. What? Um, some people just quit and they're done. And for some, it's a stop and start, stop and start. So you, you've been working on recovery and healing yourself and trying to figure out where this fits in your life. Um, tell me about the alcohol piece of it. Well, I think I knew that I had a problematic relationship with alcohol uh, from the time I was in my early 20s, probably when I was in college. And initially, I really tried to just learn how to control it. I thought that leaving it behind altogether was just not something I wanted to do or was ready to do, and I kept trying to make rules for myself about how much I could drink when and sometimes I'd follow those rules and sometimes I'd break them and feel ashamed of myself and start again and there were lots of stretches when I said okay this isn't working I'm I can't drink at all I'm going to accept that I am happier when I'm just sober and then other things in my life or in my own emotional health would somehow draw me back to alcohol again. I've always felt that part of my problem is that I could function the way I was. I could get to work. I could take care of my family. I could get to my exercise classes. I was not my life on the outside was not falling apart and no one I knew personally thought I needed to stop drinking. What they didn't know was that it was a mental obsession and a burden for me that was really hurting my life in a way that you couldn't see from the outside. And sometimes I could drink what most people would consider moderate amounts and so that would hook me in making me believe okay see I can do this if I really try I can stick to two glasses of wine and then not drink the next day and I have always thought that maybe my efforts at kind of harm reduction were the reason why it was a chronic problem that it just I couldn't let go of it altogether because it was only sometimes really awful. And when it was really awful, 
I would wake up the next day with regrets and memory loss and horrible, sickening shame. And then I would say, okay, I'm not going to drink anymore. And maybe a week or a month would go by, and I would think, well, I was sometimes okay, so let me go back to doing what I was doing before. And I am hoping and I believe that this time around I recognize in my heart of hearts that I don't need to keep playing that game. I don't need to keep experimenting with trying to keep it in my life because life really is better without it. So I guess that's where I am right now is is in a place of more hope than I've had before. But it's taken a really long time to get here. You just spent a few days, intensive days, looking after yourself um, on a retreat, making some new connections, and I saw you having lots of great conversations. Mm -hmm. And I know that you've struggled, so every time I saw you having a conversation, I was so happy mm. because our group, man, like everyone is just so wise and so warm and so kind and um mm-hmm. so it, I just feel like every conversation we have with each other is reinforcing each of us. Mm-hmm. Whereas the world sometimes those conversations take away from us, you know? So I'm curious about if there's anything that feels like it really shifted this weekend or even if there's tools that you're taking home, what do you feel like is going to be different when you go home this time? Well, I think the reason I could say a moment ago that I have more hope right now is because of this intensive time that I've had in the last few days with other people who were struggling with the same thing. And that is something I have not really allowed myself uh, in a very full way in my life. I've tried to hide this. I've tried to recover by myself, sort of in private, um, with the exception of some wonderful online connections that have meant a lot to me. I had not had people in the same room with me at the same time who were able to step into my shoes and I into theirs. And this has made an enormous difference to me. And that's what I want to take with me when I go home. I want to find that closer to home um, with more people. And I want to stay in contact with the people that I connected with here. One of the really powerful things about this uh, retreat has been that it was all women who were smart and good and well-meaning and thoughtful and insightful and had problems with alcohol and the two are not mutually exclusive or Mm -hmm. all of those things are not mutually exclusive. I learned that I'm not the only person who could get away with hurting so much on the inside while seeming to be okay on the outside. Mm -hmm. I guess I realize now how much I need this community. I need other people who feel like I do. Mm -hmm in order to stay on this path. Feeling alone is probably the biggest trigger for me for escaping into the numbing effect of alcohol. Mm -hmm. 
And I think if I don't feel alone, if I know that I can reach out to other people in some form or another, I may be able to just stay sober this time. The sharing circles, that was a new experience for you. Um, and not necessarily the most comfortable experience. You're, you're a reserved person, and mm-hmm. so I, I know you were out of your comfort zone in that. Noisy. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me what that felt like. And so over the course of four days, we did four sharing circles, and you were there for all of them, I think. So mm-hmm. tell me how that participation and experience evolved for you from the, from the very first share to going through them. Well, the first chair, I was very uncomfortable. I was very nervous about what to say. I wanted to speak. I wanted to hear my own voice in that setting, but I I was very self-conscious about it and not ready to feel hopeful. I was doubtful after all the time that I've spent trying to commit to staying sober that this experience would really have an impact. But... With each sharing circle, I felt more connected with the people in the circle. I felt more open. I felt more safe speaking my truth. Um, And by the end, it just felt like I was with my best friends, Mm -hmm. friends like I haven't had in years. And I felt that way with every conversation, you know, throughout the last few days, that I could just stop with someone and have a cup of tea and talk about whatever was on our minds. I haven't had a lot of that in my life in the last 25, 30 years, so it's been a beautiful thing to have. Do you think that that is um, exclusive to the group we were in, or do you feel like there's a way to go out in the world now and and intentionally insert that into your life or seek it out. Maybe it was there all along. I don't know. How do you feel about that? I can't, I am sure it's not exclusive to this group. Mm -hmm. This was not a, I mean, it was a wonderful group, but it can't be a unique group because (laughs) it's just a sign that there are lots of us out there. And some of the people I have in my life already who are my (coughs) friends, I think could be closer friends if I dared to let them in. And I've had so many conversations with good friends about their worries and their families and their marriages and their careers and talked a little bit about mine, but I've not told even friends I see regularly, uh, for the most part, that I struggle with alcohol. And it's such a big part of what's hard in my life that it just keeps a barrier between us for me not to share that. Mm -hmm. I think going forward, if I can share with the people I already know and love and also find sober people or a sober community, wherever I can find them, uh, things can be different. I have to let my guard down. I have to stop trying to come across as having it together in a, in all ways. <laughs> I'm laughing as you say that because it's like nobody has it together in all ways. Why do we so that true? Well? So true. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for this.
Hi, Jean. My name is Caroline, and I've been living without alcohol for 11 days. So very new, very, very new. And was 11 days ago the first time you decided, hey, I think I'll quit drinking, or have you been working up to this for a little while? I have been working up for it um, for maybe 25 years. I've been drinking my whole adult life, and um, I've tried many times to stop, but I'm just I'm at the point where, for my body, I have to stop drinking. I'm sick of being sick. I'm sick of being hungover every day. Um, and mostly I have an incredibly beautiful family, um, a husband who still loves me, and a beautiful nine-year-old daughter and 12-year-old daughter. And it's for them that, well, it's for them, but it's for me. And I've just really realized that unless I get sober, I'm going to lose them. I'm going to lose them, and that's that's not okay. So I want my family. I love my family, and that that's why. I've tried many, many times, um, but I've never committed. I've never fully committed to it. I've put the drink down for a few days, but I just haven't really found a way to really go on this sobriety journey. So what does it feel like today? I know we're, recovery is about living in the moment, but how do you feel today? Do you feel hopeful for tomorrow, or do you... Well, for me, um, I've had the opportunity to spend the last four days with this amazing group of women who are at varying points on their sobriety journey. And it's by immersing myself with these women that I can see that that there's happiness being sober. Um, which is one of my big fears. I'm so afraid. I'm just afraid life's going to be so boring and, and I won't have things to do when I'm sober. But I've learned from other women that it's okay. So sobriety's going to be okay. And there's lots to do sober. And I'm starting to feel happy for the first time in a really long time because I'm hopeful. Mm-hmm. And I've finally made... You know, I finally made the decision for me that I'm going to get sober, that I'm going to stick with this. I'm, you know, I have a plan in place. Um, I have a community now, and community is so, so important. Mm-hmm. That's what I've been lacking. I've been lacking the community. Um, I've been alone for a long time in my drinking, but it's through connecting with other women, people like me, that I know I can get sober and maintain sobriety, and have a really good, happy, fulfilled life. On our first sharing circle, you were terrified. Is that a fair word, terrified? I was terrified. And But you did it anyway, mm-hmm. and, and I'm grateful you did, because, um, because we got to hear you and get to know you. I'm glad you didn't just run from the room. Um, but tell me how, so you sat through four sharing circles. Tell me how your emotion or your your comfort just sitting down in a sharing circle and opening up um did it get easier it got it definitely got easier um yeah it got easier i had more to say 
over the four nights because I had more experiences. Um, but yeah, I was I was a terrified mess. I was an anxious, hot mess um, the first night. But you know, by the second night, I I started feeling better and happier. So yes, it 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 got a little bit easier with each night. Mm-hmm. Every time that I put myself out there. Mm-hmm. It just, I think it gets easier. It's, it's a relief. It's a huge relief to be able to admit it out loud that I have a problem, that I have a drinking problem. Mm-hmm. And it's, 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 it's like it lifts it from me. It lifts it away from my body. It just lightens me mm-hmm. to be able to say it out loud. So do you think you will look for some kind of recovery community or program or a way to stay connected with people after you leave here? Yes. Um, I'm going to join AA. Um, I've been really hesitant about AA, um, but the reason I know I need AA is because I need the community, and I know where I live. Um, there are some great women's meetings that I'll be going to, um, and I met some women here at this group that live in my state that I'm going to drive they're about an hour and a half away, and that's that's not so far to be able to go to a meeting with my new friends. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm going to be joining AA for the community. I'm so excited for you. Thanks. So Thank you. Okay. Okay. Next up, we'll hear from a gal who was one week sober. I caught her for a quick take on how she was feeling, having spent a few days looking after herself on retreat taking a break from her life and focusing on her own recovery. Really what I'm asking everyone is a snapshot of where you're at today. So just emotionally and intellectually, like what's what's it feeling like right now to just be in your skin? Just blissful and no anxiety. Um, optimism, happiness, joy, sisterhood. And I want to know from the point of view of taking time for yourself and what happens in that time. So not asking like necessarily about the retreat, but about the act of self-care. What what did that look like for you? What did that feel like for you? Um, just being restful and calming, um, just allowing my mind not to wander and ping pong all over the place, just a stable mental uh, perception of things are good, things can be better. And how are you going to carry that forward with you when you go home? Uh, just implement everything I've learned from these wonderful women. And give me a, give me an idea of that. What are like your top two or three things that that stand out in your mind? Um, I can tell I'm putting you on the spot with that because there's like so much. But oh do you have like any? Hey, do you have like a favorite, just image or moment, glowing moment? I just think the time is now, now to make the change and carry it forward and don't look back. We talked a little bit about fears. That's a conversation you and I've had a little bit over the last few days of like letting people know or staying hidden. Um, do you feel like that? that doesn't serve us or it serves us but only for a while or how how are you feeling around that well i feel like there is a lot of stigma attached but 
I would like to approach it as a health decision. Obviously, I had problematic drinking, gray area drinking, but as a health decision, it's the most important thing I can do for me and my family, my loved ones, my sanity. Mm -hmm. I have to agree with you on that. It's like, it is the best gift we can give ourselves. We're going to be like gorgeous old ladies still here doing yoga, with our foot over our head, <laughs> 50 years from now. Um, what are you going to do tomorrow for yourself? Yoga, rest, eat well, read, um, continue my education about staying on the right path and not um, letting my mind overtake my uh, goals and just stay positive. And now, lastly, I want you to meet Leslie, who first reached to me about two years ago. She stopped and started and stopped and started during that time. So to meet her in person at this retreat was so special to me because I got to witness her first baby steps into her long-anticipated new life. So you'll hear the joy in her voice, her excitement for what lies ahead, and also listen for Leslie's take on Sharing Circles, how hard it was for her to just sit and listen quietly while others shared what could be painful experiences. Okay, I'm going to just jump into it with you. So first, tell me your name or the name you'd like to use for this interview. It may or may not be your real name. Leslie. Okay. Um, so I thought you were going to say something really like, you know, Trixie Magoo or something. <laughs> um, so you are normally guests on the bubble hour are minimum of three months sober. And it's a real, ch and that's a good rule. There's a reason why we do that, right? Because we need some time to, to have some wisdom to share. So you are days sober. You're on day four. Four. And it's not like you decided four days ago, oh, I think, I think I'll quit drinking today and then just quit like that. Uh, you and I have been writing to each other for a long time. So for you, it's been a gearing up to this. And now that you're here, in the future when you're on the bubble hour, we'll talk about that gearing up process. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about how you feel today. Okay, great. Well, one thing I wanted to say is that... Uh, I've been thinking about stopping drinking for about 15 years. And my main thing is I always felt like, well, I'm not that bad. Like, I'm happy. I'm successful. I'm a business owner. I have a beautiful family. I have love. I have friends. But every single night I crave wine. And I don't just have one or two glasses. I will drink that bottle. And a very vivid comment from a neighbor of mine that we would do the same thing together about seven years ago, she always said, well, if I cork a bottle, there's no sense not to finish it. So I always had that as a justification in my head. But then I realized, like, you know, the weight gain, the puffy eyes, the feeling not clear. I was like, you know, this is serious. I'm hurting my health. And I wrote to you about a year and a half ago, and I was like, I'm so mad at myself. I keep saying I'm going to quit, and then I don't quit. And you said, Leslie, it's an addictive substance. And I was like, lights flashing, like... For some reason, I never thought of wine as an addictive su substance. Um, so I said, okay, I've got to get serious. And I want to say how I feel today. I feel so confident and excited and clear. I have gone, I think in the last 15 years, 
the longest that I've gone with zero wine was two weeks, and that was right before she recovers in Los Angeles, and um, no, right after. So when, during those two weeks, I felt so much clarity, and I felt like my real self again, because that's the thing about alcohol. I'm like, well, why am I trying to numb every night if I'm so happy? I consider myself a happy person, and I have so much love around me, and there's no reason for it, none. So I'm just trying to figure that out. I guess it's just because it's an addictive substance, and I guess I was addicted. But at these four days, I feel like I'm done. Like, I feel like I'm just, I'm already equipping my brain to say, I don't drink. Or, you know, and honest to goodness, I don't even think people are really going to ask me. I think my kids and family are going to notice, and my parents are going to notice that I'm not drinking at Thanksgiving, and they're just going to be thrilled. Not that, you know, I was ever like a problem, but they see me hurting myself just numbing out. So I just feel thrilled and excited, and I feel empowered by the women I've spent time with this weekend. You're such a ball of fun. I would suspect people think you're drunk even when you're just uh, just moving through life because, like, you're, like, you're high on something else. Like, Absolutely. Like, you have such of, a joyful... One of the women said to me when we were dancing, she's like, why are you even... Why do you even drink? Like, you're full of so much joy and energy. And I've been that way my whole life. Like, I was always the first one out on the dance floor, the one to get people not to be shy, you know, speak out, be silly. So I have so much natural joy. I, You know, I'll sing, dance, and stand on my head in front of a crowd of strangers. So there's no... um, Yeah, so I, I don't know. I think, you know what? I know why I drink why I was drinking like that because I also am very successful with my business and I love my work and I work, work, work and I have like several hundred clients and I will work straight up until two in the morning. And so usually like around like after dinner time, if I drink, then I'll stop working. So I just have to come up with a different mechanism to make me stop working mm-hmm. at night. Cause that's mm-hmm. the thing I was doing it to just make myself stop working. Cause I work seven days a week right. and I love what I do, but I'm so just never stop. I used to say it was the brick that I put on my head at the end of the day. Yeah. Just to like stop myself quickly, get eight hours sleep, like sleep fast for eight, six yeah. hours or whatever. And then get up and do it again tomorrow. But it's like I needed. I totally relate to that. Okay, I have another one more question for you. I believe that this the sharing circles we did here was your first experience. Yes, it's a sharing circle. So tell me um, how it felt to share for the first time, to say in a safe space your truth, and what impact that had on you. Yes, um, the sharing circle. It was so foreign to me. I'm, I wasn't afraid to speak about my private fears and shame and but I didn't understand that when we're all in a circle and we're speaking that we can't comfort each other like everybody just speaks their truth so the hardest part for me was listening to these women and their stories and then feeling like I just wanted to immediately comfort them and and say me too and all that good stuff but for me when I spoke and I wasn't shy to speak, it was so funny. Like I would immediately not even really recall what I had said. You know, it's kind of like a purging thing. You say something that's really on your mind. And um, I think the one thing, you know, people see the joy and, and vigor and confidence that I exude, but inside I'm scared to death and I don't know what I'm afraid of. And so to be able to speak, like every time I did speak in the sharing circle, I would get all choked up and, 
you know, my voice would shake and I would cry. So it's it takes, boy, I felt so held by all the women, everyone in the circle. Like I didn't feel embarrassed and it's very cathartic mm-hmm. to be able to speak in the circle. And in the end, because we talked a little bit at one point about why we don't respond to other people's shares, even when in our heart of hearts we want to say, you know, you're not a bad person or right. or um, respond or um, crosstalk is what it's called. So tell me what you learned about why we don't do that. It was really, really important, and I love why we don't do it, because when someone says, like they might say, I'm ugly, and you immediately want to say, you're beautiful, but they need to feel that they can speak their truth and they feel ugly, you know, that's it. That's the thing. It's like, you know, if, if someone wants to say, I feel alone, even though we're all around you, we're surrounding you, we're your pals, they feel alone. Like, let them say it and let it hang out there. Let them speak their truth. Because if you immediately try to comfort them, it's like you're eradicating what they just said or, or invalidating you know, if someone feels ugly, they feel ugly. As much as you tell them they're beautiful, they feel ugly. So you got to let them speak their truth. You got to hold it. And so everybody feels held that way. Thank you for explaining that. Thank you for taking this time with me. And now this lucky girl gets to go have a massage. And I'm going to the airport. So I think you're going to have a better day than I am. <laughs> well, I'm on day four and I'm um, really excited. So I, I figured I better just stay one extra day to absorb everything I learn and get my toolbox all set. Um, my favorite thing is cooking. And instead of cracking a bottle of wine when I get home and cook, I'm going to turn on the music that I learned in yoga dance. And I'm just going to move my body and feel beta endorphins coursing through me from movement <laughs> rather than from wine. There you go. Thank you. Okay. My heartfelt thanks to each of the women who shared with us today. And I hope that we'll have them all back later in this season for updates on how the recovery is progressing. Hearing their voices just makes me smile. Uh, We had such a wonderful time together, and I really am grateful that they took the time to share their stories with us. Listeners, wherever you're at today, I hope these women have sparked something within you. We're all so much the same, and that's why telling our truth is important and helpful. My truth is that my life is better without alcohol. Going alcohol-free is hard at first. It gets easier, and it is so worth the effort. If you would like to write to me, my email address is thebubblehour at gmail.com. You can read my story at unpickledblog.com, and you can uh, hear all 212 episodes of The Bubble Hour on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Our website can be found on blogtalkradio.com slash bubblehour. That's it for this special New Year's Eve edition. I will uh, look forward to more interviews in the days to come. Until next time, everyone, take good care. Not proud that that was me And when I face it I take back a little dignity Not looking for excuses I just want to be free from power Weakness head on me In a dark corner is where shame lies behind We think you're strong you keep it all the time.
want to be free from the power. Oh, you 